Hello, my dear, dear, dear human becoming. Hello. Hi. <laughs> good morning. Good evening. Good afternoon. Good night, depending on where you are in the world. Ah. Shall we take a breath? Inhaling through the nose and ah, exhaling through the mouth. I'd invite you to make a kind of audible sound on the exhale. So often we don't sound, we keep so much energy stuck in our bodies. And so as we sit down and prepare for today's listening session, let's just ah, set the intention to be present in our bodies and to be present with our embodied experiences. And this is an invitation that I'll offer you for the whole of human becoming, and especially this third season of the podcast, right? If you're listening to older seasons from here, then I would take this invitation there with you too. <sighs> and the invitation is really to be present in your body as you listen to these podcast episodes and to notice what happens in your body. What sensations do you become aware of as you're listening? What feelings come up for you as you hear particular pieces of information, insight, wisdom, opinion, feeling that I share, right? Or expression that I share. Like what is evoked inside of your body? What thoughts too? Because your mind is a part of your body. So, you know, what is happening in your body in the realm of feeling, sensation, and thought? <sighs> I'm going to invite you really to start moving into the world and moving into your life, noticing what's happening in your body, right? So many of us have lost our embodied awareness or our bodyfulness. You know, we speak about mindfulness, but there's also bodyfulness. I think it was Christine Caldwell who coined this term. Um, the author, there's a book called Bodyfulness, if you're curious about learning more. And bodyfulness is this awareness that we can cultivate of what is happening in our bodies in the same way that with mindfulness, we cultivate this awareness and this witnessing, observing presence of what is happening in our minds. In bodyfulness, we cultivate this witnessing and observing presence of what is happening inside of our bodies. And this is really important because so many of us are totally disconnected from our bodies, right? We're totally disconnected from our bodies. And so much of this human becoming journey has actually been a journey of returning home to my body. And that's actually a theme that you will see weave through season one and season two, and it will show up in season three and every season moving forward. And I haven't done that intentionally. It's because the wisdom and the medicine of the journey that I've been on and the healing journey that I've been on is to return home to the body. And on that note, I want to share something very exciting, which is that season three of Human Becoming and this episode are sponsored by the Human Becoming School. Yay! Woo! So the Human Becoming School has officially been birthed into the world, which feels so exciting and so incredible. And it was birthed on this uh, Pisces new moon of 2022. Such a gift, such a delight. And, uh, and it was birthed through the first official offering of the school, the first workshop, the first mini course, which is called Awakening the Sacred Body. And this is part of a series of workshops that I'm going to be releasing with the Human Becoming School called Awakening Pleasure that's really centered around this idea that similarly to having a spiritual awakening, we have awakenings to pleasure. We have our pleasure awakening. We have our erotic awakening. We have our sexual awakening, which is when we wake up to the reality of being in this body. And we wake up to the reality of what this body allows us to experience in the world as it relates to pleasurable sensations. But because so many of us have been systematically or systemically, whichever is the correct word there, disembodied, we don't have access to this way of connecting to pleasure, right? We, we connect to pleasure, we connect to eros, we connect to the erotic through our bodies. 
it is an embodied experience. Pleasure and and eroticism and eros, these are embodied experiences. We have to drop down to the realm of the body, our most sacred vessel, in order to experience these amazing sensations that are on offer to us. And so there's this journey of homecoming that many of us have to walk, a pilgrimage, if you will, which is... ah honoring the body as sacred, honoring how we have been disconnected from the body because of systems of oppression, and then finding the tools and practices that will guide us in returning into connection with our body, that will guide us in returning into connection with our erotic energy, which is amazing. And so awakening the sacred body is exactly that. It is my way of holding your hand through this process of returning to connection with your body and returning to connection with your erotic energy Ah, so that you can feel more, so that you can sense more, so that you can feel more alive in the world, so that you can feel more able to access and touch and dance with and play with pleasure and eroticism in the world because you've awakened to those realities, there we go, inside of yourself. So it's a really, really incredible offering. And these are the tools that I have used. They're all somatic body-based tools because I believe that the most profound healing happens when we heal with and through the body, when we honor that we are bodies, right? And so this is a totally somatic-based course. Um, It is also very trauma-aware and based in, you know, research around nervous systems and how we build capacity in our nervous systems for new experiences. So these are some of the threads that I'm weaving together in the course, but then I'm offering you these tools that have totally transformed my life. And they're the same tools that I offer to my clients and I see create transformation literally day in and day out. And I've seen this create transformation in my classmates and I've seen it create transformation in my entire community of, um, of sexuality professionals who use these somatic tools, right? Like these tools are so, so, so impactful. They're the tools that when I entered this world of of sexuality and becoming a sexuality professional, I thought, oh my God, why didn't I know about these? Why didn't anyone tell me these? They're deceptively simple. And also if you make them part of your practice daily, weekly, monthly, like if you return to these practices, and they're practices that you don't have to return to in it. Like you, you practice them as you move through life. They're not practices that you go off into a corner and do. You practice them as you move through life. And if you embed these tools in your life and if you embody these tools, your life will change and you will experience so much more in this human body of yours. And so I really think this course, this workshop is so profound for everyone. I really, really do believe that, you know, so many people, especially in this community where we are focused on raising consciousness and we are focused on becoming our most true and full and authentic selves, we do that through connection with our body right? All of this healing work happens through connection with our body. And so I would really highly, highly encourage you to sign up for the workshop. And for the next five days until the 11th of March, it will be on pre-sale for $22, after which it will be $44. And it's a self-paced, self-study course, so you can access it whenever and do it whenever. And then you can also return to it as many times as you want because you get lifetime access. So whenever you need extra guidance in moving through these tools, then you have this essentially this library, this resource of somatic tools that will support you in reconnecting to your body and to your erotic energy. So highly recommend that. And I'm so excited to say that this you know, podcast episode and all of season three. And for now, you know, all of human becoming is sponsored by the human becoming school. Having these courses and and doing work in the human becoming school and and being paid there really enables me to do this podcast and to create the kind of value that I create here. Um, and so I would say, if you're a supporter of the human becoming podcast, really consider um, supporting me over at the human becoming school because it makes this possible. But also, and more importantly, it will completely enrich your life.
And that's what I want for you. That's what I want for this community so much. And I know that we all have to move to this level of embodiment, which is what I really think is the future, um, in order to thrive as a human society. We all need access to these tools and to this new way of being human. And that's so much of the human becoming transmission is how can I introduce humanity to a new way of being human? And part of that new way of being human is being so deeply embedded and connected to our erotic energy and our bodies when we've experienced hundreds and actually thousands of years of being disconnected from these bodies and being shamed and shunned for being connected to our erotic energy. So not a lot of us realize that we walk into the world totally disconnected from our erotic energy and we only are able to access that with a partner that we think will evoke it in us. And what I'm really teaching in this course is how to how to turn on your own fire, right? How to turn on your own eros and how to move into the world from that place. And uh, let me tell you, it's kind of fucking magic the way that you'll notice how life magnetizes towards you when you're connected to your erotic energy. I see this with my clients all the time. They're like, opportunities are, you know, we'll just have one coaching session. I'm teaching them how to do a specific somatic breathwork practice. And then they come back a week or two later and they're like, um, all these opportunities are coming to me. Some like people are just walking up to me and like saying like, you're glowing, you're vibrant. Like I'm, I'm literally, I'm meeting partners. I'm, you know, it's like the world magnetizes to you because you become this vortex and this whirlpool of eros. And so it's really, you know, for all my magical people out there, it's a really magical process too. Like I'm approaching this through the lens of somatics, uh, but it will, if you connect to your eros and your erotic energy, it will totally transform the way you are in the world because eros and pleasure in the world will magnetize towards you, will see you as an anchor point and will fucking flock to you. So even if you're someone that's like into manifestation, you know, having this kind of connection to your body and doing manifestation from that place also amazing that that's a little magical secret i'll add here you know because with manifestation we really want to feel that reality if we're manifesting more pleasure in our lives we feel it in our bodies and then when we're anchoring that energy ah and we're running that energy that you know that life force through us then that life force finds us through the world, right? It, it's literally just like, like attracting like. So ah, I just think this course is fucking amazing. Um, I'm going to drink a cup of, I'm going to drink a sip of tea. Give me a moment, take a breath as I do. Ah. And I think all of you would really benefit from taking it. And of course, I want you to walk around the world feeling magnetic. And I want you to walk around the world feeling vibrant. And I want you to walk around the world feeling alive and feeling like all these opportunities are just attracting, are, are attracting themselves to you. You know, like I really want that for you. Anyway, kind of long intro aside, but I wanted to make sure that I named that uh, as something that is, you know, happening in, in the human becoming verse, uh, where the human becoming transmission really is desiring to grow in 2022 and impact a lot of people. And part of my desire through the human becoming school is to transform the lives of hundreds and thousands of humans to feel more connected to their bodies, to feel more connected to their eroticism. You know, I want humanity to have these tools. And so I'm going to be shouting about it from the rooftops for a very long time because I believe in this so much. And I believe in the uniqueness of this workshop and this offering, you know, like I'm, I'm blown away by how much I've been able to bring together, um, even just in, in having people understand the politicized aspect of the disconnection that we have to our bodies, you know, and how systems of oppression thrive when we are disembodied. And that's why they have also worked to strategically disembody us because we are easier to control when we are not connected to our power. Connecting to our erotic energy is connecting back to the source of our power. And that is also the source of our resistance. And that brings us into today's episode because today I really want to speak about love in times of war, right? Uh, 
I I was originally just going to release the first episode that is being released today, and I realized that uh, it felt very strange to release an episode and also not talk about the chaos that's happening in the world right now um, with Russia invading the Ukraine. Oh, another great somatic tool is to shake, right? Um animals do this in the wild when they've experienced trauma uh they shake and it actually helps this the body the soma to release um and and we are so disconnected from our bodies that we very rarely move and shake and and move emotion and energy through our bodies in the way that it's needing to move through so i would encourage you as we're speaking about things that are going to be intense this season and in general in the human becoming transmission because human becoming doesn't shy away from having challenging conversations, breathe, shake, scream, you know, move the energy through your body. Don't let it get stuck. Um, It's really, really important. So we're talking about love in times of war. And it's really interesting for me because I was in ISTA. Uh, The ISTA stands for the International School of Temple Arts, and they have trainings all around the world. And I did their level one training and initiation, their level two training and initiation. Incredibly impactful experience. I also then on the Monday that I came back had a near-death experience this Monday, this past Monday, ended up in hospital begging uh, God to stay alive, uh, which was really intense, very powerful stuff. Um, I'm very grateful to have had that experience. Of course, I would say that. It's so funny because every time I tell people, they're like, oh my God, I'm so sorry that happened to you. And I'm like, I'm not sorry at all. Uh, That was one of the most enriching experiences of my life because I touched death really and truly. And I saw, I felt myself, you know, leaving this human body. And I felt the choice that I had to leave then or to stay. And I decided to stay. And it was the first time in my life, actually, I realized how much I do in my everyday life want to die. And seeing that and honoring that and honoring that so much of why I've wanted to die is because I feel so much and sometimes it feels overwhelming. But I'm deciding to choose life because I knew in that moment as I was begging God, I still have work that I need to do here. You know, like I came here for a very important reason and I still have work to do, you know, like I'm not ready to go yet. And so I feel even more enlivened to continue doing this work and to show up in my purpose and to commit to that every day, every fucking day, (laughs) because I know that I have a reason for being here. And a huge part of that is this human becoming transmission. But I go to ISTA and I have this near-death experience. And, you know, so for this week, I've actually kind of just been cocooning. Um, I've like been, I've been ravenous. I'm like, I feel a bit like a caterpillar, you know, I'm like eating everything um, and sleeping for just huge chunks of time. Um, I'm really going through a big metamorphosis and change in and through my body. And my body is facilitating that. So big gratitude to my body. Um but for that reason, I've I've actually been avoiding, besides posting on social media about the Human Becoming School, I've kind of been avoiding being on social media. I've also been avoiding reading too much of the news. Um, and I've also been avoiding speaking about um, Russia and Ukraine on social media. Also because I feel like sometimes there's this urge to immediately say something. Uh, and I didn't want to do that. I really wanted to sit with my feelings in connection to what is happening. Um, and human becoming actually feels like the place where that's wanting, where my thoughts uh, and my feelings and my experience are wanting to be held more than um, a, an Instagram post, uh, which where I can't go into as much depth. Take a breath, sound, shake, move the energy through your body. There we go. Settled. Okay. Um, And so as we start speaking about this that's so alive in the collective right now, 
Uh, I first want to start by inviting the spirit of human becoming in. Human becoming is already in the room, but I just want to start by really inviting in this spirit and honoring this spirit and honoring this great teacher and this great guide for what it moves through me, what it allows me to communicate to you and what it teaches me and what it teaches you. So gratitude, um, a deep bow of gratitude to human becoming. And a deep bow and gratitude to our guide for this season, which is love itself. So I'm inviting love into the world and into the room. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm inviting all the archetypes of love, um, all of the gods and goddesses of the old world and the new that embody and represent love. Uh, but I'm inviting this big expansive force in that I have danced with, that I have met, that I have the privilege of knowing Ah, I'm inviting love in. <sighs> I'm inviting what needs to move through me today to move through. And so, with that being said, another sip of tea and then let's get into it. <sighs> so, slowing down. There's a lot happening in the collective right now. So part of why I bring in ISTA is that I came out of this really intentional and loving community, like this experience of for two weeks being off my phone, being totally immersed in the community that was physically around me, and being com committed, being connected to, being in a community of people that are committed to doing the work of love. Like that is the thing that has brought us together is actually this energy of love and that we are all seekers and pilgrims and servants on the path of love. So that was an incredibly transformative, transformative, there we go, experience. And I knew it would be, and I knew it would inform the season. And then at some point in the training, we did learn that uh, that Russia had announced that it was invading the Ukraine. And so it was interesting, right, while, while doing my own shadow work um, and doing my own shadow work specifically for me around the wounds of power inside of myself, um, one of the, there was a lot of shadow work that we did. And one of the things I discovered about myself is how power hungry I am but that I don't consciously own up to that. I keep it in the shadows. I keep it in an unseen part of my consciousness. So it actually plays out in manipulative ways in my life uh, because I, I don't own. I would like to embrace and hold power in this way. I've actually had this way of wanting power to be thrust upon me. I never want to be seen as claiming power myself. I want power to just descend on my shoulders and for me to go, oh, well, I mean, I guess if it's here, <laughs> you know, and uh, and so in that way, I, I've never really consciously fully owned my desire for power. I've just let it run out in the in the unconscious realms and then to come out into the conscious realms through manipulation, through, you know, changing who I am to be well-liked so that I can achieve a kind of social power. Um, and, and power is very, you know, there's power in so many contexts. But for me, I just realized how manipulative I am in many areas of my life so that I can experience this power kind of landing in my lap. And just like, oh, well, it just descended upon me, you know, so what am I to do? I guess I'll just take it, um, which is almost this unwillingness to own power, which I actually think is quite dangerous for the world. Um, so this unwillingness to own power, this unwillingness to say that this is this is my desire for power, this is my desire for, and for myself, you know, it was actually noticing in the darkness how much there is inside of me a desire for violence, uh, a desire for power over, right? So recognizing that part of my part of my unconscious and part of what I've rejected in myself is a desire to have power over other people, is a desire to dominate, is a desire to oppress, 
is a desire to control, is a desire to achieve power through sneaky means and manipulative and Machiavellian means, um, and, you know, manipulative means, um, never, you know, just owning that I'm taking this power. I want this power. I have this desire for violence. I have this desire for control. I have this desire to oppress others. And so you might be like, wow, that's hectic for you to say and admit on here. But I think part of uh, what this experience taught me and what I'm playing with in my life, because I've been doing some really intense shadow work over the past couple months um, and been really drawn into Carolyn Elliott's work around existential kink and her um, community Electric Yes, which I've recently joined. And I've been doing a lot of, you know, kind of the edgy shadow work that's actually looking into the places that we really, really don't want to look at, right? Like before this week, I wouldn't have said that there's any desire in me for violence. And having experienced my shadow this week, I know that in me there is a desire for violence and violence of other people or violence towards to extend violence towards other people, to harm other people, to control other people, to manipulate other people, to have power over other people. I think we live in a much safer world when we can consciously acknowledge these parts of ourselves, right? Because I think what we're seeing, and we're seeing this with Putin and and Russia and Ukraine, but we're seeing this in so many ways in the world, right? Um, this desire for power, and specifically for me, this this wound is so it's so ancestral for me. You know, it's like I know that this is. This is something that's played out over generations and it's in my nervous system and it's not about judging it. It's just knowing it's there. It's not calling it bad. It's just knowing it's there as a desire, right? Um, and engaging with it consciously because when it's unconscious, I do think it's more dangerous and it does come out in sneakier and more manipulative ways. And we're seeing this world where people are so hungry for power, specifically men, uh, and I don't think that's because men are more hungry for power necessarily than people who are socialized as women. I think men are more allowed to um, to claim power or people who are socialized as men. But I really also mean people who are socialized, who people living in the world as men and who were socialized as men, like specifically with cis men. This is really a theme. Um, there's more permission to grab power, to hold power. Um, there's, you know, less of a, with people who are socialized as women or lots of marginalized groups, there's kind of a don't grab power, don't seek power, don't look for power. Um, but that also doesn't make it safer in the hands of cis men because it's also like this, um, I see this wound of power playing out so strongly in the collective. <sighs> and power hungry men seeking power through manipulative ways, through manipulative means. Like if we're looking at Russia and the Ukraine, you know, that is really what we're seeing. Um, there's also not any uh, honesty around, you know, like there's so, there's so much, there's so much propaganda, there's so much manipulation of why this is happening. You know, there's so many excuses being given but the truth is that there is a very power-hungry man <laughs> that is in power in Russia and is, is playing out that desire um, for power. But also, I would almost, I feel this way about the world. I almost wish people would just come out and say it like, fuck humanity, I don't care about any of you, and I just want power. Because at least we would know what we're dealing with, you know, but instead it becomes actually, you know, I'm thinking about all the ridiculous things um, that Russia said. It's because of blah, blah, blah reason. It's because we're exterminating, there was some ridiculous thing that they said, like, we're exterminating the Nazis like we did 80 years ago. We're doing this, we're doing that, we're blah, 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 blah. You know, the truth is that there's a power hungry man in office who's grabbing for power and probably isn't even, you know, he's playing out an unconscious theme that probably all of us have inside of us, but he's playing it out for the collective. And so it's really interesting to take that perspective and almost to see the collective as a field and our individual consciousness is a field. And some things are playing out in the field of our individual consciousness. And I don't mean a field as in like a grass field. I mean like 
um, like an energetic field, right? So your individual consciousness, individual, you know, the illusion of individual, but what is contained in this body uh, is a field. And then there's the outer field. And so much that's happening in the inner field is happening in the outer field. And really, when we see things happening in the outer field, we know that they exist to some extent in the inner field. Like everything that's playing out in the collective exists inside of us too. And so I almost feel like this is this amazing opportunity to look at that wound of power inside of ourselves uh, and to look at this wound of... Where does the unconscious desire for violence, for power over, for oppression, for control of other beings, which is being played out at so many levels. It's being played out in Russia and Ukraine for sure. It's being played out through white body supremacy. It's being played out through human supremacy and our oppression of the more than human world of nature that we are intimately a part of. Uh, it's being played out through all systems of domination and oppression, right? But there's a way that none of us, none of us, that's a generalizing statement, many of us aren't willing to look at that thing inside of ourselves. And myself included, right? I can look at myself and I can say, but I do all of these amazing things to improve the world. And I have the Human Becoming podcast and the Human Becoming school. And I spend so much time on Instagram sharing information with people and trying to educate people. And I have a newsletter and I embody love and I bring that into all my relationships and I embody kindness and la 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 la. And it's not that all of those things aren't true. I, I hear my darkness is like eye rolling right now, like, oh my God, so boring. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, all those things are true. And also, if I can't consciously identify with the part of myself that also wants violence, control, power to oppress other beings, if I can't see that in myself, and honor where the collective field right now is a reflection of my internal field. If I can't do that, I'm not really being of service to humanity. I'll just speak as me. I won't speak for any of you. For myself, I'm not really being of service to humanity. Because I think what happens in these times of, of, of conflict and of big things happening in the collective field is so many of us many people have the desire to distance themselves from that thing, right? When we see incidences of racism rise up in the collective, inside of people, even if it's unspoken, and sometimes it's very explicitly spoken, I'm not like that, you know? Uh, there's this feeling of separation. That's not me. I'm not like that, you know? And 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 we we won't always consciously like acknowledge or have awareness of the part of our brains and bodies that are feeling this and thinking this. But I think there is a part of us that feels separateness and then feels betterness. I'll definitely say for me, there's a part of me whenever I see chaos in the world and harm being done, there's a part of me, I'm so much better. <laughs> I'm so much better than them. You know, these people who choose violence and harm. Oh, I'm so much holier. I'm so much more aware. I'm so much more conscious. <laughs> And I'm just playing out this wound of separation that we as humanity are being asked to heal from, right? This this wound and this illusion of separation, that we are separate from each other in some way, that we are separate from the world around us, that we are separate from nature, that we are, you know, that we are a part of, we are separate from that. Uh, we are separate from each other. We are separate from God and we are separate from love. This illusion of separateness is also this illusion of separateness and what I will call the illusion of disconnection, that we are somehow disconnected from ourselves, from the planet, from God, from love, is what allows so much harm and violence to happen in the world. All systems of oppression do not, will not exist if we fully, completely, and totally stop believing and buying into the illusion of separateness. Because if we deeply, and I don't mean just as an ideological principle, if we can embody the knowing that we are not separate from one another, I, the Dalai Lama has said something around this, like um, 
you know, so many people have pointed to the fact that we are not free until we are all free, right? There, there's something that points to many spiritual teachers, many political leaders have pointed to our interconnectedness, the interconnectedness of our struggles for liberation. You know, people like Nelson Mandela and Archbishop Desmond Tutu, and there's so many political leaders who have pointed to this and also spiritual leaders like the Dalai Lama who have shown that as, as long as, as long as all beings are not free. Like I am not free as an individual. There's no individual freedom for me. <laughs> you know, I think what all these people are pointing at is the illusion of separation and the illusion of disconnection. Uh, and this illusion that we are somehow disconnected from each other, from the world that we are a part of, from the earth, from God and that we need an intermediate. This is a huge spiritual wounding in the world, right? That we are disconnected from God, um, that we are not intimately God. And I think this is a knowing that we're coming into in this new age of our evolution is that we are God. <laughs> and we all have an individual, we all have our connection to God, right? We all have like, that that is something that we don't need someone else to be the intermediary for. You know, we all get to have that relationship. It And the relationship is us. <laughs> you know, it's hard to speak about because it's so, it's so much more expansive than words could ever encapsulate. But this illusion of disconnection and this illusion of separateness is what upholds a lot, I would say, all all paradigms of domination and power over on this planet, all paradigms of oppression on this planet are upheld by a fundamental belief that we are separate from one another, that we are separate from the planet. Because if we are separate from one another, if I am separate from you and I can really believe that and buy into that, then I can harm you. I can drop an atomic bomb on you. I can kill you. I can rape you. I can harm you in so many ways because I'm separate from you. What happens to you is not intimately connected to me, right? And same with the planet. If I'm not intimately connected to this planet and to nature, I can harm nature. I can disregard nature. I can disrespect nature. I can kill nature in many ways because that has nothing to do with me. You know, this idea that that has nothing to do with me. And I think, and why I bring this up in the season of love, is that for me, love is the antidote to that false belief, because it's a false belief. It's an illusion. It's not based in reality at all. In truth, in, in, in the highest truth, we are not separate. None of us are separate. What's happening to any one of us it's happening to the whole collective. Everything is happening to all of us all the time, you know, and we even see with, you know, moments like, like if an atomic bomb is dropped in, in Russia, that in, in the Ukraine, that's not just going to affect the Ukraine, you know, like that analogy becomes things in the collective will affect the entire collective. There is no escaping that. There is no escaping our intermingling and interconnection with all of life. There's no escaping that. And so for me to all of this, can, which can feel big and overwhelming sometimes, is the antidote, the antidote, the medicine is love. Because love directly heals this illusion of separation. Love helps us to see that we are not, in fact, separate, right? When we have these experiences, and this is where we'll speak about love more, but when I'm saying love, I'm not talking about romantic love. I'm not talking about the love between partners. That's one way and one place that love shows up. But love is so much bigger, you know, when I say love, you might you might think God, you might think the cosmos, you might think the universe. Like when I'm saying love, that's the bigness that I'm talking about. It is in everything. It connects everything. And so when we reconnect to love, oh, this illusion melts, right? We can see, oh my God, you are me and I am you. We are all each other. We are all intimately connected. We are all part of this dance of life. We are all part of this continued evolution. That thing that happens in that part of the globe, that's not separate from me. That violence that I've done to you, that's not separate from me. That is intimately tied into and connected to and a part of my story. 
and I think we have to get to this place of 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 choosing love, but also, you know, reckoning with the parts of ourselves that don't choose love. Because the parts of ourselves that are still living in in desire of violence and oppression and power over and control, they're not choosing love. They're choosing separateness. Choosing power over is choosing separateness. Because to have power over, you have to be disconnected from the experience of the person that you are oppressing. And you have to believe that they are somehow different to you, less worthy than you, you know, that you are better than them in some way. But you have to believe that you're different from them at the very least, that you are separate. And from that separateness, great harm can be justified, right? Separateness is a very dangerous illusion. If there's anything that you're going to take away from this podcast episode, separateness is a very dangerous illusion. If there's anything in your life and in your spiritual practice that you take forward with you, it's to dissolve the illusion of separateness and disconnection. That is the medicine that the world needs so desperately right now. Dissolving the medicine, dissolving the medicine, dissolving the illusion of separation and disconnection and coming back into love. (sighs) Ah, Breathe. And so how do we do this work of choosing love, right? Because I think love gets a really bad reputation um, and people think that love is just this like la 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 la, (laughs) which so annoys me. Because love is actually, it's a very powerful and profound and oftentimes like easy and incredibly challenging thing to choose. And it's easy because love is our natural state of being, right? Like I believe that when we haven't experienced the trauma that we've we've experienced, our, our inherent state of being is the state of love, being in loving connection with others, being able to meet other people in love and be met in love. And then we experience the trauma of this illusion of disconnection and separation. And that leads us to turning our backs to love, to closing our hearts to love, to not being open to love, and then to meeting other people and the world in fear, which is part of the illusion of separation, right? Because when I can meet you in fear, and when I do fear you, then I'm more likely to want to control, oppress, harm, kill, violate you, you know, like, you know, really the opposite of love is fear. And we live in a world where fear has been chosen time and time again. That's also something that's so embedded in these systems of oppression is fear, fear, fear of the other, right? And then uh, creating a whole elaborate system to ah, create the conditions for disconnection and separation so that you don't have to meet the other, so that you don't have to connect with them at all. Like, you know, kind of the most extreme, you think about apartheid and, uh, and that kind of disconnection. It's it's literally not wanting to meet people in love, wanting to meet people in fear, wanting to stay as disconnected um, as possible. Yeah. I mean, you even think about the svart khafar. My Afrikaans is shaky. Um, but seriously, this fe- like literally meaning like like the fear of black people, <laughs> you know, that was such a huge part of apartheid. It's fear. You know, and we have to start seeing how, you know, one of the things that the ancestors um, and I speak about often is that what is happening in this time, in this huge period of humanity's transformation, is that the ancestral woundings that have not been met and dealt with, they will come up and they will come up until we can meet them in a different way. And I feel like for me, meeting them in a different way means meeting them in love. But these wounds are going to come up and they're going to come up and they're going to come up. And part of why they keep coming up in the collective is that so that we can understand how they come up in the individual, quote unquote, right? Because there's no real individual, but, you know, how do they come up in our individual experience of consciousness? Where are these themes still playing out? Because as long as they play out inside of us and as long as they are unconscious inside of us, they will continue to play out in the world. All of these things, all of these ancestral troubles, all of these conflicts, all of these wars will continue, all of this violence will continue to play out in the world. It will continue to play out in the world. It will continue to play out in the world until we heal those wounds in our consciousness, 
as a collective and as individuals. And we have to understand that as a collective, we are simply a herd of individuals. And as individuals, we are simply parts of a collective, right? So this healing happens together. It's not separate. And that's something that's so important to me in my work is helping people to understand that it's not you know, we need to bridge this gap between individual and collective healing and understand how these processes both need to feed into each other in order for transformation to happen at the quote unquote individual level and at the so-called collective and societal level. And so I hope as you continue to engage as we as we watch this conflict unfold, you know, who knows what's gonna happen? Like who has any idea? And I just wanna, oof, like just take a moment to honor and send out a lot of love and empathy to the people who are most most directly impacted by this conflict at this moment right the people in the ukraine people who are experiencing such intense fear right now and are also choosing bravery and courage and freedom, right? Like that has been so incredibly beautiful to me to see in this time. As much as we've seen this conflict, it's to see the indomitable human spirit and the spirit of people who want to survive, right? And who want to choose freedom and love. Because for me, that's what we're seeing. We think choosing love only means like holding hands in a circle and singing a song. For me, love and freedom are so connected. And I see people around the world and in the Ukraine choosing love and freedom and sovereignty, right? Like, and that's a huge thing that we're seeing right now at a at a micro scale. But this is a theme that's playing out in a in a bigger way too. Is is the big corporation, the big government, the big structure going to win in this cosmic battle that we're in right now? You know, are these big structures of power over and domination going to prevail, or is the seeming underdog? But the one who wants to remain sovereign and free and in their power, right? Because that's what we're seeing. The Ukraine is, I think, if we're looking at them as an aspect of our individual consciousness, it's like we're seeing this direct conflict between the part of us that is choosing oppression, control, power over, and the part of us that is choosing love, freedom, sovereignty, incredible sovereignty, And so we'll continue to see how that plays out, right? But like even watching that in our individual consciousness and 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 checking in with what will we choose? Because it's an individual choice too. We are going to continue to see in these years between 2020 and 2030, we are going to see unprecedented conflict, breakdown, breaking open, dissolving of structures, rebuilding of new structures, attempts for the old system to hang on with its fucking hands and teeth and everything, you know, really invested in maintaining the world as it is. And in our individual consciousness, what are we choosing? Are we choosing to continue playing out these unconscious themes of power over control, victim and perpetrator, violence? Are we choosing a new story of love and freedom and sovereignty, right? And I think that's what the Ukraine is also awakening in our individual consciousness is this beautiful example, you know, looking at President Zelensky and this beautiful example of what it means to choose to choose to stand in your power, to choose to stand in your sovereignty, to defend your freedom with your life. You know, which is, it's not to say that the stakes aren't high right now in the world. The stakes are high and people are, people are sacrificing their lives. And this is something that we've seen throughout history and something that moves me so deeply. So many people have paid with their lives to choose love and freedom and sovereignty. You know, so many people, so many of our ancestors have given up so much, have sacrificed so much, have sacrificed their lives to choose love and freedom and power and sovereignty. And we get to be part of that heritage and we get to be part of that lineage of people who are choosing for the world love and power and freedom 
and sovereignty. <sighs> and so I feel like as much as as much as we stay involved and read the news and see what's happening and and stay connected to our loved ones and stay connected to what's happening in the Ukraine and and be supportive where we can also one of the most powerful things that I think we can do in this time if we want to change what is happening at a collective level we have to understand the connection between our consciousness and what plays out in this physical reality. We have to understand that connection. And then we have to heal the parts of our consciousness that are manifesting this external reality of power over violence and domination. And we have to be able to meet the parts of ourselves that are deeply invested in maintaining those systems, even if consciously in our minds we think, that's not me, I'm an activist, I'm a this, I'm a that. We have to do the shadow work. We have to look at the things that we say shadow work and working with the unconscious because we are not conscious of how we are buying in to these systems and to these paradigms. We are literally not conscious of it. So of course, when we say with our minds, that's not me, you know, what else are we going to say? But we have to be willing to look. I'm, I keep gesturing behind me. We have to be willing to look into that place of darkness where we reckon with the parts of ourselves that are intimately entwined in this story of violence and power over and control and domination. We have to look at those parts of ourselves. We have to see those parts of ourselves or they'll just continue to play out. And not because they hate us, but because the imperative of the earth and humanity is to evolve. The imperative of all beings on this plane is to evolve, right? And so things come up again and again and again so that we have the opportunity to meet them in different ways so that we can choose evolution, right? But it's a choice. It's a choice. It's not like evolution just happens. We have to make different choices. We have to move from making choices out of fear to making choices in love. We have to move from shaming and shunning the aspects of ourselves that are dark, that choose violence, that choose control and power over that maybe are playing out in the world and in the collective in unhealthy ways. We have to to meet those parts of ourselves with love and compassion too and understanding not to shun them but to bring them into the light of our consciousness and for me that is the spiritual call of this time and so i'm grateful that human becoming and love have supported me in moving that through <sighs> i'm grateful for the deep wisdom in this transmission and i trust that it will reach the people that it is needing to reach i hope you're all taking good care of yourselves I hope and I trust that because you are here, you too want to choose love and sovereignty and freedom. And I trust that together we're going to do the very hard and challenging but liberating work that needs to be done for us to make those choices and for us to create a different world that isn't rooted anymore in fear and oppression and control and separation but to create a world that is rooted in love and freedom and autonomy and sovereignty and deep personal power, not power over, but power with and power from within. I hope you take good, good care of yourselves in this coming week. I look forward to connecting with you in, uh, in the next week. Until then, choose love, choose love, choose love. Take good care of yourselves. I love you deeply. Mwah.